are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I do not at all join with those who would criticize the decorating of a Christmas tree. I think Christmas trees are beautiful. I do not believe that it is heathenism or paganism to have holly around the house. I do not think it is heathenism or paganism to decorate and have a beautiful Christmas tree and think for a while of others and of Christ. I was reading my paper the other day. I love the newspaper. I don't like all the newspapers. I don't like all what they say, but to me it's the best bargain in the whole world, a dime for hundreds and hundreds of pages. And uh, But I was reading the newspaper, and I was thanking God that there's a season of the year when people get their attention on others for a while. Christmas is a season when the firemen repair toys and make them well for little children. Christmas is a season when the service station man is friendlier than any other time of the year. When the clerks are a little extra careful to say Merry Christmas, when people share one with the other, when they give to others, Christmas is a season when we take baskets of fruit and toys to the underprivileged. Christmas is a season when we take turkey or chicken and some cranberry sauce and dressing to those who are not able to eat because of a lack of funds. Christmas is a season when we wish folks happiness and people are kinder than usual. It's a season when all of a sudden the fellow who's blind down the street becomes the object of our attention and we give him a little more attention than usual. It's a season when the hospitals are visited perhaps more than in any other season of the year. When the deaf are not forgotten. When the poor are not overlooked. When the shut-ins are visited a little more care and attention. When the rest homes are visited and when people in general are nice and courteous. For example, I had, I don't have them with me, but I got some letters this week from numbers of people. One of our, a man who is the manager or the manager of the Burger King, all the Burger Kings in this area. Wrote me a wonderful letter. I wish I could have brought it. I had my Bible and I must have lost it on the way to the pulpit. He said, Dear Reverend Hiles, for 50, 50, 55 to 60 of your young people stopped by to eat at Burger King recently. And he said, I just wanted to tell you how they acted. I've never seen any young people order with more propriety. I've never seen them eat with more courtesy. I've never seen young people clean up their mess as carefully. And he said, though I'm not a member of First Baptist Church of Hammond, I do not live in your city. I thank God for the work that you're doing. He said, that's the finest group of young people who's ever come to our place. I received a letter recently a lady who said, I was backing out of my drive out in Cherville, 
and I had a flat tire. And a young man who came by stopped and helped me change the tire, fix the flat. She said, what can I pay you? And he said, you can pay me by attending the First Baptist Church of Hammond, where I go to church. Christmas is also the season of trains. And so is Groundhog Day. She said, he said, you can pay me by coming to my church, First Baptist Church of Hammond. And she said, though I'm not able to attend the church services, I do want you to take this $5 bill as an offering. I received a letter this week from one of our fine ladies. She said, Pastor, she said, thank you for teaching us to live for others. And then she proceeded to tell about some wonderful things that she and others were doing for somebody else during the Christmas season. But over here across the tracks, I think on Willow Court, anyway, just across the tracks, north of here, there's a little lady who is blind, an invalid, and a shut-in. I received a wonderful letter this week from her husband thanking the First Baptist Church of Hammond for all that we had done for her. I wish I had time this morning, and I, I'm going to chat with you as, as your pastor, sort of exhort, exhort you this morning and love you a little bit and, and talk to you about life. Tonight I'll preach to you a little, a little harder. I'll get mad at you tonight, but this morning I'm going to sort of up some save a little bit, sort of, sort of pussyfoot. When David was a little boy about three years old, I said, David, what are you going to be when you grow up? He said, a preacher. I said, what kind of preacher? Old-fashioned hellfire brimstone preacher or a pussyfooter? He said, a fustyfootser. <laughs> I'm going to be a fustyfootser this morning. And... But I wish I could, I wish I had time to tell you of all the wonderful things. Folks don't know them. Doc, I could stand this morning if I had the time and were disposed to do so. I could talk till midnight tonight and never repeat a story of what our people are doing in this holiday season for others. Those of you who have been in our church for years know that I have stressed one word over and over again. Others. 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 Others, Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Lord, let me live for others that I may live like Thee. And so the Christmas season has been marked with some wonderful stories. I could tell you about a boy, young man, teenager, who had no Christmas at all. So a poor family could have Christmas. I could tell you about some young people. It better be still and quiet or I'm going to quit fustyfootsing. I could tell you about us college students who are having a tough time making it and working most of the night to pay tuition. Who found some another college student who was about to drop out of school and gave up his Christmas. So another college student could stay in school. I can tell you story after story, unbelievable stories that 
that would make headlines in a decent newspaper and be a blessing to even unconverted people. Then the day comes of Christmas. The gifts are open. You finish Christmas Eve night putting tab A into slot B. As I say in my book on strength and duty, have a nervous breakdown and lose your religion and fall from grace because you are trying to put the electric train together with instructions that were placed in for electric razors assembly. And along about three o'clock in the morning, you want to curse Santa Claus and die. But then Christmas morning, all the little tots, the wide eyes, the excitement, the thrill. Those who had left cookies and cakes for old St. Nicholas to devour, never stopping to wonder why father and mother have gained weight through the night. The opening of the presents, the gluttony, the turkey, the dressing, the ball game, where the Cowboys win in the last few seconds. Thank you for your prayers. And then the activities of the day, the playing of a new game, trying to find the one part that's missing. Have a seat, George. And then, have a seat, George. There are plenty of seats back there, even big enough for you. And, uh, and then, the nibbling in the afternoon. You think when you finish the meal, you'll never eat again as long as you live. And you don't for 15 minutes. And then there comes... A part of Christmas, which is the tough part. I have a chapter in one of my books called Christmas is Over. Christmas is Over. Anybody who has ever enjoyed a Christmas day knows that melancholy, empty feeling that comes at night on Christmas night. Read the first chapter in my book on when I talk to the Christmas tree. One Christmas night, I talk to the Christmas tree. The tree that last night was banked with gifts. It's all of a sudden forgotten. Nothing but a few old pieces of paper and maybe not even that. A tree where once people had gathered, now is forsaken, forgotten. And each goes to his own room alone. And that melancholy feeling comes. That, that lonely feeling. And it's always that time when some nut on the radio has a symphony orchestra playing, or, a, or an opera. And I love symphony music, and I love opera, but, but it, it makes me melancholy enough. And then the most melancholy thing of all is when you scan the pages of your checkbook. You sit on Christmas night, and, and you wonder, what, what's that? It's all over. It's all over. For a few days, what happened? What happened? Here it is. Here it is. 
For a few days, you found the answer to life. For a few days, you really found the answer to what life is all about. You spent the entire year trying to be happy and being miserable. But for five or six days, you thought about the blind lady across the tracks. For five or six days, you thought about the deaf fellow who's down the street. For five or six days, you though shopping is sometimes so often a fallacy and materialistic and secular, but nevertheless, you did think of somebody as, what shall I buy, uh, Uncle George? Better still, what, what color socks shall I buy Uncle George this year? What shall I get Aunt Susie? What shall I get uh, my uh, little boy Johnny? What shall I get uh, Mary? What shall I get this one? And your mind is on somebody else besides yourself. What shall I buy for this one? What shall I buy for this one? And you found the secret. You're happy for a while. But all of a sudden you get melancholy. You know why? Because you've gotten back to receiving again. Strange thing. The buying of all the presents made you happy. And the thinking of somebody else made you happy. But the opening of your own presence left you melancholy. Do you know what happened, really? For a few few days, you found the answer, and for one day, you lapsed back into that which is not the answer. For one day, you lapsed back into selfishness. What will I get? What will I eat? How will I feel? What will it mean to me? And for a few days, you've lived in the real answer to what life is all about. And then the day after Christmas comes. And the garbage man wishes that he'd been a plumber. And the boxes are all carried out. And the dog strolls the garbage all over the yard. And in, our, in the case at our house, all over several yards. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. On December 26, folks, that blind lady will still be across the tracks. Forgotten, but she's still there. She'll be as blind Tuesday as she is today. She'll be as much in need as she is today. Tuesday, little bodies will wake up hungry, just as hungry as they will, will tomorrow morning. And Tuesday, Tuesday morning and Tuesday night, men will walk the streets of this area with friendless without their families, loved ones, or friends, just as lonely as they are today. The hungry people are still there. The troubled people are still with us. Listen, listen. I used to be a little boy, poor. I used to be a little fellow who was sitting in the room and somebody knock on the door and say, Thanksgiving basket from the church. I used to, my mother go to the door and we'd get the Thanksgiving basket, I will recall. We'd had no, I'd had no shoes to wear had it not been for the church. I'd had no food to eat for Thanksgiving or Christmas had it not been for the church. Brother Fisk, I can recall as a little boy looking up to the people who gave me that basket and those toys. And I can still recall to this day wondering if they weren't happier than I was about it. Oh, I was glad to get it. I love to wear shoes and I love to eat. And I left to, uh, as a boy, I left open the Christmas presents and, and all of it. But I used to look at those people and, and think, maybe they look happier than I look. Listen to me. Happiness is not wrapped up this morning in unwrapping presents. Happiness is, is found in wrapping presents. 
Oh, our Lord put it this way, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we glibly listen to it and glibly quote it, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But ladies and gentlemen, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Ten thousand times more. Let me tell you something. Several years ago, I went through the usual Christmas night melancholy feeling. I've had, a, I've had a habit on Christmas night for years. I don't, I don't ever read a Christmas card. Never, never read them. Never read them. Just, just don't look at them. But on Christmas night, I get them all together in one big old bundle and read every last word of every Christmas card and pray for everybody who sent me a Christmas card. Every person. You sent me a card, I'll pray for you. I'll pray that you'll give more money next year to the church. And, but anyway, I'll, uh, I'll pray for you. You send me a Christmas card. Several years ago, I had that empty feeling. I sat alone, thinking, what, what caused this feeling? And I learned something. I learned what caused it. The end of the real way to live had come. And I decided to make Christmas every day in my life. I decided that I'd help the poor every day. I decided that if I could be happy one week a year living for others, I could be happy 52 weeks a year living for others. I decided if I could be happy giving one week a year. Why, you remember, don't you, when you were in school and the teacher said, let's make a Christmas card for our mommies. And you got a piece of construction paper and, and you all over it. And, and you said, Merry Christmas, Mommy. And you brought it home and you had it all wrapped up and, and you said, I got something for you. Remember? I can still recall. And, and, uh, and she opened it and you wondered if she's gonna like it. And my mother's a very good woman, a very kind woman, and she'd say, Oh, isn't that beautiful? I wonder if God's gonna forgive you, mother, for all those lies you told all through those years. And I'd say, You like it? <laughs> You like it? She'd say, son, you're going to be an artist when you grow up. And I'd say, Merry Christmas to you. She'd say, or a singer. Well, listen, I've not grown yet, if that's the case. But, uh, and, I, and, and, and I'd, watch the, I'd watch mother's eye. I'd watch for a twinkle. I'd watch to see if she really liked it. And if she did, all the joys of life were wrapped up in one little twinkle of one eye of my mother. And all of the ice cream cones added to all the candy bars, added to all the all-day suckers. You folks know what all-day suckers are, do you? But all the all-day suckers and all of the ball games and all of the excitement and all of the popcorn put together. All of that joy didn't compare to that one moment. And my mother was pleased because I gave her something. Myself. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could really find out that that's really what makes folks happy after all? That's what it's all about. And I decided, I decided to, to make for my friends every day a Christmas day. And I decided that I was going to try to capture 365 days a year. What I had captured for one week. Now listen to me. It's almost over for many of you this year. It's almost over. You can't wait, can you, to see the eyes of the children tomorrow morning. 
And you can't wait, can you, to see the face of someone for whom you bought something, to see if that's what they really want. Or do they like it? <laughs> and and are they are they gonna are they gonna say what you say? Oh, it's just what I wanted. Oh, that is really something. What is it? What is Christmas to you? Is Christmas to you unwrapping presents? Then you'll only have Christmas one day a year. But if Christmas is to you wrapping presents, you can have Christmas 365 days a year. Hey, what is Christmas to you? Is it being served? Then you can only have Christmas when folks decide to serve you. But if Christmas to you is serving, you can have Christmas any time you decide to serve. Hey, what is Christmas to you? Is it receiving? What am I going to get for Christmas? I saw one of the sweetest things I ever saw in my life in a shopping center in Pennsylvania. I was walking down the mall of a shopping center in one of these indoor things. And Santa Claus was there. And I leaned up against him and I said, Hey, Santa, you know where 8232 Greenwood is? Munster, Indiana. He said, What do you mean? I said, Just don't forget. <laughs> don't forget. And he, he chuckled. A little girl was on his knee. She happened to be black. She was on his knee. And he said, what do you want for Christmas, sweetheart? And that little black girl said, I want my mommy to get a new iron. I want my mommy to get a new iron. I think she knows what Christmas is all about. And that little girl, if Santa Claus will bring an iron to her mommy, would be happier than if she got everything she thought she wanted for Christmas. Hey, what is Christmas to you? It's Christmas to you. Receiving or giving? Look, look. If Christmas to you is something that somebody else has to decide with their will. Let's suppose, Doc, that, uh, that Christmas to me is you're getting me something. Then I can only have Christmas when you decide I have it. But if Christmas to me is my getting you something, then I can have Christmas anytime. I want to have Christmas. I don't plan to have many Christmases this year, Doc. But I can have Christmas anytime I want to have Christmas. I thought last night, is it too bad for Christmas to end? It doesn't have to end. It doesn't have to end. January, uh, December 26th can still be Christmas. And December 27th. And March 31st. And April 2nd. And June 3rd. And July 17th and August 24th, every day in the year, can be Christmas. If you'll forget yourself, forget being served and served, forget receiving and give, forget unwrapping and wrapping, forget being pampered and pamper, forget being loved and loved, forget being cared for and care. That's what Christmas is all about. I thought last night, where is happiness tonight? It was late last night, and I was driving home. And I walked around out in the yard for a while and just thought, where is happiness found? We think it's found in a department store with all of its glitter and lights. 
but it's really found in one of the rooms at St. Margaret's Hospital. When you walk in and take a flower to someone who's sick and pray with them and encourage their hearts, I dare you to try it. Where is happiness found? We think that happiness is found in a restaurant with a head table and the decorations on the table and a T-bone steak being served and gala occasion and merriment and laughter. We think that's happiness. Oh, happiness is found out in the slum section of town where you forget your own gala life and your own wants for a while and think of somebody else. Where's happiness found? Oh, we think happiness is found with a, you used to call it the merry-go-round or the loop-de-loop. Or we used to call it the lightning. That's the, that's the uh, what's the lightning? That's the uh, roller coaster. We called it the lightning when I was a kid. That's happiness. Happiness is found. Uh, Bob Moore down in Marietta, Georgia had a big day and he, be, he, be, he sat up. Remember you've been, been to the, uh, we used to have down in Texas, you used to have some fellow, poor fellow, maybe a colored fellow, would sit up on a bench and you throw a ball, that little thing about that big around. Every time you hit it, you knock him in the water. And Bob Moore sat up there and had a big day and everybody in his church got to throw a baseball at this little thing and everybody that hit it knocked him in the water. I wouldn't dare do that. We'd have folks here practicing for weeks so they could <coughs> hit that thing. <coughs> What's happening? We think of happiness as being the lights and the fanfare and the excitement. No, ten thousand times no. Happiness is found knocking on a door. And somebody says, come in. And you notice a wheelchair in the corner. And you walk over and you say, hello. My name is, and I came by to spend some time with you. And wish you a Merry Christmas. And there's a dear person in the wheelchair whose entire world is that one little room. And whose only scenery is a window. And whose only automobile is a wheelchair. And a little sunshine leaks in as you open the door from the outside. A little sunshine leaks in. And you walk away and they feel better, but you feel 10,000 times better. Girls back in the back, sit still while I'm preaching. We think happiness is... What is happiness on Christmas Day? I know what happiness is on Christmas Day. I'm going to sleep late. And I'm going to get up. And I'm going to eat. And then sleep. And then eat. And then sleep. And then eat. And then sleep. Personally, I don't see what you want to waste all that good eating time sleeping for. And uh, but I, then I'm going to watch a ball game, and then I'm going to I'm going to eat, and then watch the ball game, and eat, and watch the ball game. And at halftime, I'm going to eat, and every time there's a timeout or uh, commercial, I'm going to run in the icebox, open the refrigerator, icebox. That tells how old I am. The refrigerator, and open the refrigerator, and I'll give me a handful and go back down in 60 seconds. I got it narrowed down. I can do it now in about 15 seconds. That's happiness. That's what all of you going to do tomorrow. But you, you're going to have that hollow feeling tomorrow night. I tell you how to feel good tomorrow night. Get up early. Go ahead and have whatever you want to have. Have your family presence. Go ahead and have it. I'll tell you what you do. You get in your car at the best part of the day. The day you'd rather do something else. The day you're old, the, the part of the day that, that your flesh says, Boy, this is the best time of day to eat. You drive somewhere. 
to a rest home. And take some flowers and walk through the rest home and leave a flower and a word of greeting and a little gift. Come back home just about sundown, that usual melancholy time of the day. And you'll find that little empty period is all gone. And though that, though that, that day of melancholy of, of, of sitting there with a sad kind of empty feeling at the end of Christmas, you'll find that the real problem is you thought about yourself instead of somebody else. It's always the case. Or as the Master put it, he that seeketh his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. The word seek there is in the linear. He that loseth and loseth and loseth and loseth and loseth and loseth his life shall find it and 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 find it. So I decided that happiness is not in rest. Happiness is in work. Happiness is not in the restaurant. Happiness is in the slums. Happiness is not in the department store. Happiness is in the hospital. Happiness is not in saving. Happiness is in giving. Happiness is not in lights. Happiness is in the dark places, bringing a little bit of light to somebody who lives in darkness. That's what happiness is all about. Somebody asked me this week, said, Did you remember all your friends for Christmas? You'll forgive me for saying this. I've been remembering all of my friends all year. You see, I want that good feeling all the time. I don't want to sit there on Christmas night, that old full, stuffed, selfish kind of feeling where all I've done is live for myself. I want a lot of things. I want a lot of things for my people. I want a lot of things for you. But after you're saved, I guess the thing I want more than anything in the whole world for my people is for you to know what it is. To know the joy and the peace and the satisfaction and the excitement and the thrill of not living for yourself, but living for others. I'm going to tell you a story that I've told you a dozen times. I'm going to close. General Booth, founder of the Great Salvation Army, got old. Couldn't attend the convention one year in London. For the first time in his life, he couldn't attend the convention. He just sent a telegram, and they read it to the the delegates on the the opening session. Thousands of people were assembled, and the telegram was read. Dear delegates of the Salvation Army Convention, others... Signed, General Booth. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. Remember the little story I told you about the little girl on, on my but the week before my birthday. Sometime along in there, I told the story about being spit on out here at the Montgomery Ward Shopping Center, about folks spitting on me. A little girl came to my study on my birthday Sunday, and she said, "Brother Hiles, I don't want anybody to spit on you." She said, "I want everybody to love you." I got your birthday present. She left me a health food candy bar. It had been unwrapped, and one bite had been taken. 
And there in front of my door was a candy bar that was slightly used. And I wept. And I said, I think she really has found out what life is all about. She gave most of it to others. She gave most of it to others. If we could learn that lesson this morning, we could have 365 Christmases a year. As our Lord put it, He that seeketh his life shall lose it, but he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Christmas 1972, most of us can Remember Christmases when we wondered if there'd ever be a 1972. It seems so far away. But here it is, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, there's so many people that need so much. There's so many people that need loving. There's so many people that need attention. There's so many people that need food. There's so many people that need care. There's so many people that need a smile. There's so many people that need a helping hand. Oh, if there ever was a day when Christians can't have Christmas every day of the year. It's today. And we thank you for the joy of living in a generation where there's so much that we need to do for others. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. How is it with you? How is it with you? You live for yourself? Do you live for self? You're more concerned about what you're going to get than what you give? How long has it been since you went to someone in a rest home? How long has it been since you went to some poor, poor person to bring a ray of sunlight and cheer? How long has it been since you with Fanny Crosby realized that down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore? Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness, chords that were broken can vibrate once more. Thousands, millions sing this morning, Dear Lord, take up the tangled strands that we have wrought in vain, that by the skill of thy dear hand some beauty may remain. How long has it been since you live for others? I'm talking to teenagers, too. I'm talking to children, too. How long has it been since you got out of yourself and into somebody else? How long has it been since you got out of yourself and into others? How long has it been since you said, Lord, let me live from day to day? In such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Why don't you just lift your heart to God now? Why don't we lift our hearts to God now and say, dear God, I'm not going to have that empty feeling tomorrow night. I'm not going to have it. For I see now what made me happy 
during these, these days. I have lived for a few days like I ought to live all the time. I'm going to live that way and have 365 Christmases a year. I wonder how many would say this morning, Pastor, I've been so selfish. I've been so selfish. I want God to forgive me. I've been so selfish. No one is looking. Would you lift your hand, please? All over the building. All over the building. Our Heavenly Father, may the truth of this, these simple thoughts this morning, so simple they're profound, and so profound they can be presented simply, I pray they shall burn into our hearts. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.